Okay. So it was mid-December, our second family ski day of what was meant to be a long and amazing season. Let me backtrack and give you a little context. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah, born and raised, had never been skiing my entire life until not last winter, but the one before. So winter of 2020. Um, when I met Aunt Ryan, my husband at 17 years old, he was a big snowboarder and he could not believe that I did not ski or snowboard given this is where I'm from. And I laughed and made a joke that one day when we had a kid, I would learn to ski when the kid was old enough to learn to ski. Well, joke was on me because I think that was like our second date and we did indeed end up together forever. And Anderson was old enough to learn. And so I had to make good on that promise that Ryan had been very patiently waiting um, for. So we learned how to ski as a family. This was not last winter, but the one before. One of the harder things I've done as an adult, actually, I thought, you know what? I'm strong. I'm athletic. I know my body. This is going to be a breeze. But the mental obstacle of learning something new and just going downhill very fast. It was, it was trippy. It was tough for me, but I did learn. I was very cautious. I was very careful. I of course did not want to get injured. And I knew as I learned to ski that risk of injury is there, especially risk of a knee injury, which was my biggest fear going into that. But I was cautious. I was careful. I hired an amazing coach to teach me and after my first season of skiing, I was comfortably doing any blue or green run, feeling really good. So I went into this last ski season so beyond stoked, right? I was going to get good last year. And it was our second run of the day, second ski day. And we're on the green run at Alta Ski Resort, if you're familiar with Utah. And... Ryan and Anderson get a little bored, you know, hanging out with me on the greens and blues. And so they like to do the little offshoots. And to the right of the run, there's various places where you can kind of go off the main groomed trail and kind of go through the through the trees and like through the back area and then get back on the groomer to finish the run. So I had done it on this run a lot the season before. And so I thought this is no big deal, right? So Ryan and Anderson shoot off to the side and I follow suit and I quickly realized there had been a huge powder storm the night before. And I quickly realized like, I've never skied in powder before. I actually have no business being here. <laughs> and I fell pretty quickly. Um, they stopped. They were worried about me. It was so thick, like three feet thick. And it just took me forever to like dig myself out, but I was fine. Totally fine. So I get myself back up. My ego was bruised more than anything. And I am following <laughs> Ryan and Anderson. And they're quite a bit ahead of me because they didn't realize I had fallen until they were ahead. So they had stopped. But anyway, they waited ahead of me. So they continue going. And I, I watch them make a left and head back onto the groom trail. And I missed that turn. So I'm going through the trees on this little trail that was like just as wide as someone else's skis, right? So another skier had been there before because I didn't I was not comfortable to just go through the powder and make my own trail. So I'm following this little trail, these tiny little bumps. And I'm like, I got this. I got this. I realized that Ryan and Anderson had left kind of the back way and gone back onto the groomer and I missed where they joined back up. And so I thought, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to look for the next, the next opportunity, <laughs> trying not to panic in my head. Um, but we're going downhill now. And this trail is kind of diagonally going and picking up speed, running parallel to the groom trail at a slight slant so that it eventually will meet up with it. And I knew that, but the problem is I started getting faster and it started getting steeper. And then I see ahead of me, there is a jump. This was probably like a four foot lip between the edge of the area where I was and then the groomed main trail. And I realized that I was going to have to hit this jump. Of course, I've never jumped at all on my skis. And I started to just feel sheer terror. I'm like, all this is happening very quickly, right? As I'm flying down this hill, already faster than I was comfortable with. And I'm realizing, okay, I've got two options. I go to the right or the left and I hit a tree, or I just keep going and I take this jump. And I swear it happened in like slow motion. Um, 
I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, like, watch out, because the area where this trail met back up with the groomed trail was at the bottom of the run. So all levels of skiers were flying past. It was super saturated area. And I was just panicked that I was going to nail someone just flying out of up the side. <laughs> um, and I remember yelling and being so scared. And I launched off this little lip and I would give any amount of money to like see how this actually happened. But somehow I kind of landed on, I think I turned in the air and I landed on my left ski, my left foot. And I fell, I fell pretty quick. I started going like backwards and I fell. And I remember falling into the snow and watching my leg turn the exact wrong direction. So like the bottom of my left ski was dug into the snow and my whole body was just contorting the wrong way. And I just thought, this is it. My knee is about to be toast. Like I'm about to watch my knee get blown out. And I swear with all of my sheer willpower and all of my quad muscles that I had built over the last six years of weight training, I willed my knee to be okay. Like I tensed my knees and I just braced my knees so hard not to take that impact while I was waiting for my ski to pop off. Um, another fun fact is that I had set my DIN setting a little bit higher this season because I thought, you know, I'm better now. That was that was a mistake. Um, so I'm sitting there watching my leg twist the wrong way. Everything hurt. And I just, finally my ski popped off. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I think my knee's okay. And I like touched my knees. My shoulder was on pain. My neck was on pain. My ankle was hurting, but I was like, oh, my knees are okay. I just thought, wow, I really, I am the luckiest human on earth. Um, I got up <laughs> Lots of people were asking if I was okay. Ryan had like tried to come, took his skis off, running back up the trail, you know, seeing this whole thing. And I got up and I just popped on my skis and I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm fine. Like I was mostly just super embarrassed at this point. And I skied the rest of the run. And by the time I got to the bottom of the run, oh my gosh, my ankle hurt so bad. So obviously I stop. I'm prying off my ski boot in the locker room and it is super swollen. And I was like, wow, I swear my ankle was like, I volunteer as tribute because I didn't think you could hurt your ankle skiing because you're in a boot. You can. So be careful. But it was super swollen and I'd never had any sort of ankle injury before. I've never sprained an ankle. Um, and so I thought, okay, I've sprained my ankle. I am a fitness trainer. I, you know, know basic first aid. I know how to handle this. He ice, Advil, whatever. It's going to be fine in a few days. So we head home early. Well, I kind of hung out in the lodge. I tried not to let Ryan and Anderson realize how much pain I was in because I didn't want to ruin their day. So, you know, I'm chilling. We get home and it's just getting increasingly more painful. So I go to Walgreens. I buy like a baby brace, you know, a tiny little brace and I'm taking Advil and trying to, you know, lift my foot and stay off of it off of it a little bit. And I just thought, okay, this is like inconvenient, but we're going to be just fine. The sweat challenge was supposed to begin in like a week and I'm like, it's fine. So over the next few days, it hurt bad, but I just figured I had sprained my ankle. The swelling did not subside at all. It started to hurt more and more just to walk. And I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know about this. So I'm trying to rest it, lay off as much as I can. I'm not really training as I normally would. But still, I I wasn't thinking, you know, anything was seriously wrong. So a few weeks go by of me staying off of it a little bit. And it's not getting any better, but it, I didn't feel like it was getting a ton worse. And um, we decided to go skiing again, <laughs> which I know, you guys, I know. You don't even, I don't even need to be told. But we're skiing and I actually had like an epic ski day. I did some of the hardest runs I've ever done. And I, cause I just thought, you know, my ankle's in this boot and I even wore my brace in my boot. And I thought there's no way this can hurt my ankle. So we have this ski day. I was pretty proud of myself. And at the very end of the day, when we were on flat snow, just getting back onto the lift to go back down to go home, I kind of turned, Anderson called my name and I turned and like pivoted really quickly to go to the side to kind of turn around and go to the side. And my ankle just, I felt this pop and it was immediate excruciating pain. Like 
I could not breathe. I was just in so much pain. I couldn't bear any weight. And I was so panicked. And that was a Sunday. So we're driving home and I just told Ryan, I'm like, something is wrong. So Monday morning, 8 a.m., I wake up, I go straight to um, a facility here in Utah. It's called Tosh, um, the orthopedic specialty hospital. And they have kind of like an Instacare for sports injuries, thankfully. So I rock up there right when they open at 8 a.m. I'm the first one. And I was like, guys, I can't walk this. I'm in a lot of pain. They give me some x-rays. I meet with this doctor and he was like, yeah, your x-rays look great. And I was like, okay, but I can't walk. So what, like what's going on? He's like, he wasn't really sure, you know? And, um, really it was like, we're going to have to have some CTs to, or like an MRI to really, sorry, not a CT, an MRI to see what's going on with my soft tissue. Cause my bones looked pretty fine. And he said, for the next four weeks, you need to be in a boot. And I remember being in that office and just my heart sunk. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was like, no, no. Like I thought he said, four to six weeks, you need to wear this boot and, you know, let it rest and then we'll see how it's doing. And I was like, I thought that that was the worst news. I mean, four to six weeks, that was the entire New Year's sweat challenge. I was going to have to modify everything. I was so bummed. And I remember they fitted me in this boot and strapped it up and I stood up to walk and I couldn't walk even in the boot. It was such excruciating pain. And I just, it was then that it hit me like, whoa, okay. I felt, I felt very, very discouraged. And so they, you know, were like, it's all like, just use crutches. So they can be crutches. And they're like, you need to be, it's probably really, really exacerbated right now, really inflamed. Be non-weight bearing with your boot and your crutches for a week or so and see if you can tolerate walking in your boot. In the meantime, we need to order um, MRIs. And I was like, okay. So I left that appointment and I called Ryan and I remember I was just crying in my car and I called him. And I just thought I was delivering him the saddest news that I was going to have to be in this boot. I was going to have to be in crutches for a couple of weeks. And I was so bummed out. Um, it's so, it's funny to me looking back, but it really wasn't at the time. So I get the scans and meanwhile, I am walking. I'm still unable to walk in the boot. About a week goes by and it's, it's still, I'm not able to bear weight without excruciating pain. Jumping ahead in the story, just to kind of summarize what my actual injury was. And the reason that I wasn't very like, um, specific about this on social media is because while all this was happening, I I was reeling and the doctors and the surgeons, it kind of took a while for everyone to figure out what was actually wrong and what the path would be for me. At this point, I, there was 0% in my head that I'd have to have surgery. I mean, that had not even crossed my mind at all. It was basically how long am I going to have to rest and deal with this bullshit? That's kind of my attitude. So I get the scans back and I go back in and they actually had the surgeon there to talk to me. And they're like, look, you have torn the two ligaments on the outside of your ankle the tendon on the inside of your ankle is inflamed. Um, and the bigger problem is that you have chipped your bone. So I didn't know that that was possible. I can't remember what the scientific term for that is, but basically when I inverted my ankle, a piece of my kind of the square bone that, you know, is your ankle socket, it chipped off and it like a 11 millimeter hole in my bone. And the thing that was causing me the absolute most excruciating pain was that that little chunk of bone had found its way into the little, very tender, sensitive tendons on the inside of my um, ankle. And that is why I could not walk without excruciating pain. I mean, it's like stepping on a Lego times a trillion. It was just so a certain like motion of putting weight on that was just unbearable. So they were like, listen, Given what you do, given that you need to exercise and lift heavy and do plyo and have a strong, sturdy ankle for your career, I think that surgery is the right move because I can sew up those tendons, make sure that they heal very strong. And we can also, we need to go in and get that little bone chunk out and we can repair the bone. They explained to me how they do that is that they drill tiny microscopic holes in my bone. 
Um, and those little holes fill up with blood and those, it coagulates and forms like a new type of cartilage. It's obviously not bone cartilage. You can't ever, I won't ever have bone cartilage there. So essentially I will always have a hole in my bone. Um, they've been very clear that that, that will always be there. It's just something that I'm dealing with, but they can repair it. And so that that has a new kind of tissue over it that hopefully helps it from ever chipping more and, and allows me to be active and do the things that I need and want to do, um, with minimal pain. So basically they told me like, if I had just clean broken my bone, it would be a lot more clean cut and the path to healing would be a lot more straightforward, but that was just not my reality. I had soft tissue issues all over the place and I had this hole in my bone and he said we could do one surgery and address all the things at once. I was, I feel like in that room, time just stood still in the worst way. I mean, when I walked in there thinking that surgery was like zero out of 10 chance, I hadn't even considered it. And then I'm sitting here hearing you're going to have surgery. And then I'm like, okay, how fast can we have surgery? And then, okay, what's the healing? And they said the process would be have the surgery, which would be a couple weeks more in the boot, have my surgery, and then two weeks in a splint, non-weight-bearing, like immobile, pretty much bed rest, and then from the splint to a hard cast. And after six weeks of a hard cast, I would get the hard cast off. And I remember asking, okay, so then what? Like when the hard cast comes off, am I good? Like, can I walk? And they're like, yeah. I did not realize that they meant you would have the opportunity to learn, relearn how to walk and that it would be a long and painful process. In my mind, I thought, okay, splint, cast, walking, PT, boom, I'll be on my feet. And like, I mean, I think I told my team at Sweat <laughs> that my recovery would be like three months or something. Um, so I, I had the surgery. So before I had the surgery, I actually was very blessed, um, a friend of a family member of mine works the front desk for a very renowned surgeon who works at the U and does a lot of um, athletes and Olympians ankles. And so he came, um, I was able to get in with him for a consult. He looked at my ankle in person. He looked at my scans and he agreed with my surgeon that this was the best path for me. So with the two professional opinions and honestly, a lot of um, meditation and just like trying to find peace in this, I decided that surgery, I mean, I just accepted, I guess, that this was what needed to happen. So I booked the surgery for as soon as I could. I had surgery on January 26th, 2022, this year. Um, so that's what happened. <laughs> I said that I would share with you guys all about my ankle injury surgery and recovery. And that is most of the questions that came through were like, what actually happened? How did you hurt your ankle? What is your actual injury? And, and so I hope that that makes sense. I hope that spelling that all out for you kind of paints the picture. Um, the surgery itself was not fun. I, I, it was scary, you know, um, there were, there was, okay, here's the thing. This episode is about injury. I'm sharing my personal story, but in the context of hopefully giving you guys, anyone who is out there dealing with an injury personally or has in the past or has a close person in their life dealing with an injury, some sense of comfort or relatability or hope or perspective because it's rough. And the thing about injury is it is such a normal part of the human experience and it is completely ignored and not thought of and untalked about until it happens to you. And I guess, unfortunately, it's kind of typical with a lot of things in life, right? But man, as a fitness professional and as a professional trainer, this shifted my perspective so deeply. i I just have a whole new level of empathy for those who are injured or recovering in any way that I hadn't before and that you really can't until until something happens to you. Um, 
because when it does happen to you, it is, it can be very all encompassing and sure it was just an ankle injury and it could have been a lot worse and all of that. And I really struggled personally with my injury and finding out I had to have surgery and having the surgery. I had a huge, huge internal battle about how to share this with my, like on my socials or how to talk about this and not feel like I'm, um, trying to seek attention or woe is me or feel like, you know, I want everyone to feel bad for me. It was never that it was just, this was my reality. And because this is my profession, my career, and because this meant that everything I had planned for the first two quarters of the year was canceled. Um, and I, I was panicked. So I was panicked on a lot of levels. Career-wise, I wasn't going to be able to film for you. All of the things that I had planned for work weren't going to be able to happen. Mentally, obviously, the and I'll get way more into this in a bit, but the struggle of being exceptionally active to completely sedentary pretty much overnight, that was that is unbelievably difficult from a mental point of view. And it's tough on my mental health. Um, it affected Anderson and Ryan. It affected every facet of my daily life. Like being non-weight bearing, it changes absolutely everything. Everything takes twice as long. I felt so annoying and I felt just like I was a burden on everyone. Um, Brian and Anderson were so sweet and supportive and I couldn't have asked for a better, like more understanding and patient support system, but it didn't mitigate the fact that I felt I just hated it. I mean, I'm very self-sufficient. I'm very proactive. I'm obviously very active. So that whole thing, I mean, an injury really affects every facet of your life. And funny enough, I've never, ever received more hate online than I did during this time. I made the decision to share my journey as much as I felt I, I could and in as real time as possible because I just wanted to be genuine and also because I couldn't create other content um, or the content people were used to. But unfortunately, I was met with more negativity than I'd ever experienced online over anything. It was very much, you know, sharing a little bit about my surgery. And um, when I announced my surgery, there was a lot of love and support, but there was more than ever so much, wow, people, you know, like just saying that I was attention seeking, that I was ridiculous. Um, victimizing myself. I need to keep a perspective. So many else, it could be so much worse. And I was already telling that to myself and I got to a pretty dark place pretty quick because of that. And I felt like, wow, should I not be sharing this? But here's the deal. And this is the first point that I want to make. The fact that other people are struggling with hard and difficult and horrible things does not negate or discredit your emotions and your struggles. Of course, things can always be worse. Of course, I was so grateful. I mean, I could have been paralyzed. Like I, there was not a day and has not been a day where I have not chosen to remind myself to be so grateful for how things are and realize that they could be so much worse. However, it becomes exceptionally toxic when I won't allow myself to feel my anger and my sadness and my pain because of that. It is never productive to shut off your own feelings or discredit what you are going through only because others have it worse. That's just simply not how life works. All of your feelings are valid. You won't be able to heal and go forward stronger and learn lessons if you don't allow yourself to feel the dark. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be not okay. And that's something I've said before in the past. I feel like I always believed that concept, but this was the first time in my life that I really needed to put that into practice in a very literal way. Um, not just because of the personal battles in my own mind and shaming myself, but the shame I was getting being in this, you know, weird 
like microscope online, I guess, ultimately shaming myself for feeling anything is shame nonetheless. And I know how unhealthy that is and counterproductive that is to my growth and my healing and my self-care and staying healthy mentally. So yeah, I had the surgery. It went really well, thankfully. Um, I actually just remembered my older sister. Her name is Jessica. She's amazing. My whole family is quite amazing actually, but she sent me, I kind of opened up to her, you know, everything that was going on. And she sent to me, she wrote me a poem and she sent this to me the night before I was supposed to have my surgery. And because poetry is kind of my thing on here, I'm going to read this to you. I think anyone who is dealing with an injury or has in the past can relate to this. And it's so beautiful. She wrote, How will I run without my ankle? She said, you may need an ankle for running, but you don't need one to soar. The other replied, how can I train when I'm not training? She asked, now is when you help train minds. I don't want to do it. She whispered, I know, but you won't have to do it alone. How long will it take to be through it? We don't know, but time will always bring healing. I'm scared. You're not scared. You just feel scared. You are light, strength, truth, perseverance, patience, kindness, empathy, hard work, and courage. I love you. You've got this. Ah, it makes me emotional even just thinking about that. It meant so much because those were the conversations we'd been having, and I was so scared. Um waking up after my surgery was weird. (laughs) Um, that's a whole other, other thing, but those first two weeks when I was in what they call a splint, so it's not a boot, it's not a cast. It's kind of like a soft wound dressing. There's like wood boards in there and then it's wrapped with gauze and bandages. And it's essentially like, don't get up, don't be stupid. Don't try to walk on this. Cause if they put me in a cast right away, who knows, or a boot, but also it's like to let the swelling subside. And it was really imperative. They helped me understand that I do not bear weight at all. And I do the least for those first two weeks. And every injury is different, right? I mean, my mom had a full knee replacement surgery. I mean, I think only a couple months before my surgery and she was doing her physical therapy like 48 hours later. So every journey is different. But for me, those first two weeks, I lived on my couch adjacent to our kitchen. We have this little living room and I like, I lived there for two weeks, you guys. And it was so hard. I mean, those were some of my toughest days mentally. Um, and the funny thing is I was, I I thought that I was going to be like, totally good. I had so many tools, you know, to care for my mental and emotional well-being. Um while I couldn't exercise, I knew how to meditate. I was going to do breath work, you know, like I have I could all these mindfulness practices and I just thought it's going to be fine. And the reality is I'd like I love I would love to be able to tell you guys that that I did that. Every day I did those things and I just had this beautiful experience on the couch being sedentary for 14 days. But the reality is that that was an exceptionally low place. And I didn't lean into many of the tools that I know. Maybe it was because I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever felt like you know how to help yourself, but you're like not ready to be helped yet? Maybe I just really needed to feel through all of that pain and darkness Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but there's been a couple things in my life where I've been that low in my head. And, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to write so much. I'm going to create so much content while I'm just sitting on my ass on the couch. I'm going to be, be so productive. 
And it was so humbling looking back, thinking back to those times. A lot of really old um, trauma came up. Things from my childhood, things that I had thought I had healed from. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but obviously healing is not linear. Growth and progress are not linear. And we often face the same things over and over, but that does not mean that we are regressing or failing or weak. We are different every time those things come back around. And I ended up working through some really tough stuff because I've been so open about um, diet culture and disordered eating and my history with that here. One of the first and fastest battles that came up for me was uh, the thought that I needed to starve myself because I wasn't moving at all. Going from 10 to 20,000 steps a day in my normal life to 20, you know, hobbling to the bathroom, really being carried to the bathroom. It was so difficult. And I know that there's chemical reactions in our brains, right? That happen when we move and exercise and, and there is very real explanation and research behind how difficult it is to go from activity to a sedentary life. But on a personal level, it it was one of the first things that came up was like, I'm not going to eat because I, I was, it was like that old mindset of like, I'm going to gain weight because I'm not moving. And almost just as fast as those thoughts started flooding into my head, I started to feel so shameful that I even had them. And I didn't, I did not starve myself. And that is something that I'm actually exceptionally proud of and making myself eat food and whatever I could eat, you know, let's not talk about how sick and nauseous the medication made me and how just gross you feel and how constipated you are. I mean, there's so many not fun things about going through a surgery and recovery but I, I struggled in the beginning mostly with that. And I'm very proud. Looking back, I felt ashamed. Again, I felt shamed that I was even thinking about that after all I know and have learned. But then I realized, you know what? It doesn't matter that I am, it's 0% productive for me to feel, to put myself down for having these things come up. And looking back, I am proud that it, it is the action that I chose And I was able to navigate that healthily. And I'm very proud of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of clarity that came up surrounding experiences that I've had that I haven't thought about in 20 years, 15 years. So much healing with um, my, you know, religious journey and my identity loss and relationships. And it was just, it was very, very heavy. And for me mentally during those first weeks, looking back, I'm so grateful. Um, I didn't do any of the things that I thought I would do. I didn't even binge TV shows. I mean, I, (laughs) it got to a point actually, um, I did watch one TV show the whole, the whole time. It was Euphoria. I just kept hearing all about it. So I'm like, huh, I'm going to watch this, which, you know, I shouldn't have picked something super heavy. I should have definitely picked something like a old season of The Bachelor or something. But it was the last two days of my like um, sofa time that I finally just watched TV and like did that. But before that, it was really, I was in it and I was in my head. And I think in a sense, I needed that. I really needed to ground myself and, and be still and face what I would have called the darkness in my own mind. And remember that I don't need to fear that ever. There's so much that I learned and a lot of it is very personal, but I'll just say it was 
so difficult, but it was so beautiful. And even though it wasn't productive in the sense that I can tell you this to-do list of all the things I did, it was incredibly productive in my growth and healing. And for that reason alone, I will always be grateful for my ankle injury and for this experience. That coupled with the perspective um, and understanding that I have as a fitness professional, those two things alone are invaluable to me. So yeah, I don't know. I think life is what you make it to a, to a degree for sure. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think all the things you asked and share everything in a way that makes sense, but isn't going on for hours and hours. So after that, I, I got into a hard cast and getting my splint off and my cast on, they had to move my foot from like a 45 degree angle to a 90 degree angle, excruciating pain. I mean, that was not, that was not fun <laughs> at all. Um, I used crutches with my cast at first and a knee scooter. And then about three weeks into my cast, I was able to start bearing weight on it as tolerated. And by the end of my cast time, I was walking around on my cast or using like one crutch with my cast. And so when I got my cast off, finally, I had a good friend in town, Larkin, actually, she's been a guest on the show. Um, and I remember that day was so bittersweet because I really thought, like I mentioned in the beginning, that I would be able to walk. <laughs> it's laughable to me now, but guys, I remember sitting, I went, I got my cast off and I drove straight to my physical therapy appointment. I was so eager to begin my healing journey. And I remember she was like, okay, point your foot. And in my head, I was pointing my foot, but my foot wasn't moving and I couldn't flex. I had zero dorsiflexion. You need 10 degrees to like walk normally. And I had not even two. It was so bad and so painful. And that was just another really low point was, was feeling like, God, I remember those first days of PT. I went to my physical therapist every single day for the first like three weeks, I think. And, or maybe it was every other day actually, um, with doing the exercise at home in between. But it was, I felt like there, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to just walk normally without pain, let alone box jump or, you know, lift heavy weights. And I, and it was at that point where I realized, okay, this is going to be a bit longer of a journey than I had anticipated or hoped for or wanted. And at that point, I remember just having to resolve myself to be present and take it one damn day at a time that's when I realized that, you know, here's the other, the next like really big thing that I think everyone can take away from this or that if you are dealing with an injury or, or going to have surgery or post-surgery or any of it, or have a loved one, it's so hard to not be able to do the things that you want to do and are used to being able to do physically. But from a health and fitness perspective, if we remember that fitness is about caring for our health, then if it's truly, if you truly believe that fitness is about caring for your health and remember that your health is not just physical, even speaking on the just physical facet of health, it's easy to believe and understand that like weight training and cardio and exercise that is how you care for your physical health, right? Yeah, that's black and white. Everybody seems to get that. But when you are injured or really sick or whatever the case may be and unable to exercise in the way that you're used to or want to, caring for your physical health instead of exercising, it looks a lot like resting. It looks a lot like pulling back, giving yourself grace, doing exactly what your healthcare professionals and PTs say to do and resting. And I finally got to a place where I was just as proud of 
at the end of the day, I could think, you know what? I did those points and flexing and I did my little PT exercises and I iced my foot and I rested and I'm just as proud of that as I, as I used to be killing a power session in the gym, because that is what my physical health called for at this time in my life. So instead of thinking, oh, you're missing out or you're unable to care for your health when you're injured, that's not it. It's just everything is going to look different. Caring for my physical health was even more my top priority than ever before, but it looked way different than I ever could have imagined or pictured it looking. It's obviously not ideal to be in these situations, but if you can get there mentally, you can alleviate the pressure and the weight and the sadness of feeling like I can't do this. I'm not able to exercise. So it's like a waste or I'm losing all my strength. And it's those mental things creep up and it's so hard. Instead, think no, I am caring for my health just as diligently as I used to, if not more so, but it looks different now. It's all about going back to that core reason. So that's what I tried to do. And slowly, slowly, but surely, um, I started to make some progress. You know, I had a goal to be able to do jumping jacks at the live event that I did in Austin, Texas. I wasn't there yet. Wasn't able to do jumping jacks was not cleared. So I modified, um, the event I did in Salt Lake, I was able to do jumping jacks. I had done a couple with my PT. I did a couple on stage, immediately regretted it, modified everything else and paid for it a few days after. I mean, it was just, everything took longer. And even though I was so, I just thought, okay, my physical therapy journey is going to be, I'm going to kill this because I am so strong and I have muscle memory. And I do think all of that and my overall health going into this helped. I, I can't believe that it didn't. However, do I feel like it sped things up? I mean, (laughs) not really. Um, And then comes the re-injury. I was finally feeling like I hit a huge milestone, which was the fact that I could walk without a limp normally without pain. I'd wake up, my foot would be a little bit sore. I would do my exercises, loosen things up and This was like the end of May, right when I went to Australia. And I remember being in Australia and I didn't, I was cleared to walk without my brace. And I just felt amazing. I thought the worst is behind me. I am on the up and up. I'm on the path to healing. And I came home from Australia and I had one day between Australia and leaving for our cruise that we had given Anderson for Christmas as a family. And uh, I re-injured my ankle. I was at a wedding of a very close family friend and I was standing in sensible shoes. I wasn't wearing high heels. I was in tennis shoes with my dress on concrete. And I turned to pivot just like I did that day in my skis. And I felt that same kind of like pain and, oh my gosh, my heart fell. I could not believe it because throughout all the pain of PT, which it is quite painful, I had never felt that sort of pain since before my surgery and it shook me. I was devastated. And of course it was a sun or a Saturday. We're leaving Sunday morning at 6 a.m. I was so, so bummed and it started swelling and it just hurt and I couldn't bear weight. And I called the surgeon, the on-call surgeon, and he was like, look, try to stay off of it. Don't do anything that's going to exacerbate it, make it worse. Um, my surgeon happened to be out of town. I told him that I was going out of town and he was like, you need to be non-weight bearing until we can get you seen by your surgeon. And especially if it continues to hurt to stand on it, don't, don't be stupid. You know, we don't want to make it worse. Um, so I went on this cruise and I was in a wheelchair or on my crutches, which was such a bummer. Um, and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I'd gotten this far and I just felt stupid and I didn't know what to tell people. Like, I don't even know how I re-injured it. it. just happened. Long story short, I went in to see him and what had happened is I had just, it, I had just aggravated that new scar tissue that was forming over the hole in my bone, but I didn't have, it didn't chip off more. Um, and I was okay. So basically I was non-weight bearing again for like 10 days and then I kind of started back 
from square one with my PT and I started to heal. And my surgeon was like, look, as long as you are trending upwards um, and not getting worse, as you begin to bear weight and do your exercises again, it's, it's okay. It's just basically uh, 10 steps back, but it doesn't mean another surgery. Um, you know, we thought that we might have to rescope it, but we did not, which was a huge miracle. And so it's just another lesson in patience. And funny enough, um, I'm not religious, but I'm exceptionally spiritual and I can't share this whole thing without sharing, I guess, to me, what is like the underlying and overarching message. Back in November, when I filmed Redefine Fitness, which I shared a couple episodes ago all about, I had a very, very clear, I had been wanting to start a podcast for a long time, but I had a very clear, um, knowing that it was time, like it was time for me to start this podcast and it was going to be called Redefine Fitness, just like my program. And I got home and it was Thanksgiving break. And I told Ryan, like, I'm starting it. I'm going to do it. And then things got so busy. It's January. Winter is like the busiest season with sweat and work. And I just didn't have time, you know? And I remember there were a couple other bigger projects that I was feeling called to do and said that I would do and did not do. And I had been manifesting so um, deeply and so sincerely that I wanted 2022 to be just a year that I could level up and could really be more purposeful and impactful in the content that I create and in helping women and doing my small part to um, shift things and, and for the better as well as like my personal growth, you know, I just really wanted to show up and, and it was like, I had these clear directions without getting too personal about what that would look like or should look like. And I ignored them all. (laughs) And then the universe was really like, okay, we're going to break your ankle and stop everything for you because you didn't do yourself. And I really did have that feeling. Um, even since my first injury, And then the very, very, very first thing that came to my mind when I re-injured it in May was podcast. All of this time off, all of this time healing. And I mean, time off, it's not like I had all this time on my hands, right? Like my my plans had been canceled, but just doing the PT is like a full-time job. I mean, just, I, I wasn't just sitting around, right? Trying to create content that wasn't exercise content. It just... Every other, there's a lot. Anyway, the point is, it's not like I was being lazy, but I still didn't do the podcast. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when I re-injured it. And I thought, I really don't think I'm going to heal or meant to heal until I start that podcast. Um, And so I committed 100%. I literally that day, yeah, that's a whole other story, but I finally did it. Obviously, that was about 11 weeks ago because here we are. Um, and and yeah, looking back on the whole experience. Oh, so where am I today, right? Like, how's it looking now? I still do my physical therapy exercises every single day. I'm no longer going to PT because she gave me programming that I can do on my own and I'm very confident and comfortable in doing it the right way. Um, and obviously, I'm accountable because I want to get better. I need to heal fully. And so I'm doing the work and I am not rushing anything. I'm not pushing anything. Even a few weeks ago, I felt like I was a lot worse off than I am today. And I remember following up with my surgeon the second time after my re-injury, this was just like three weeks ago and saying like, there are still days where I wake up and I step on my foot and it just, it hurts and it scares me. Like, am I not, why am I not healing? And we had this discussion about, you know what? I mean, he reminded me that I do have a hole in my bone. It's not ever going to be the same, but I cannot, I will not accept or believe that that means I can't eventually train the same and do all the things that I want and need to do. But it was about a lesson in patience yet again. He's like, you need to make note of the days that are it's more aggravated and more painful and what you do those days. And it needs to make, we need to make sure that those days are getting fewer and further between instead of more. And they definitely have. I mean, just this morning I was walking down the stairs, uh, in the morning 
completely pain-free and I wasn't limping or favoring my right side. And I thought, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, this is huge. I will take this. Um, I'm no longer training in a brace of any kind. If I go on, like, I haven't done any hiking or water sports, like I'm still being quite careful, but I am able to do treadmill walks and I do a lot of biking. My surgeon has said biking is one of the best things I can do for this. I'm doing all my PT. I'm starting to lift, um, to do more lifts that I haven't done since my surgery. I'm starting with, you know, a lot less weight than I used to, but I'm getting back into things and I am seeing the light and I'm feeling really good and really grateful and having the perspective now on the days where I feel like I'm still so far from where I want or need to be. I take a lot of comfort in putting myself back on that couch and realizing how far I've already come. The body is miraculous and it is incredible. Um, and I am ultimately just so incredibly grateful. And I know that this episode is probably like the longest one I've ever recorded, but I wanted to be thorough and I really wanted to put my entire experience out there for you guys to, you know, hopefully this can be as helpful as possible. Um, there were a couple of questions that I screenshotted that you sent through that I wanted to make sure that I hit. So I'll flick through those. If I haven't already answered them, I will before I wrap up, but, um, a few of you asked things like this question says, did you ever get down on yourself for being, for getting a bit softer? No clue if you did, but I sure did. And lots of people asking if how my body composition has shifted over the last nine months. Um, if I, if it's been hard mentally, yes, it's definitely shifted. It's, it's interesting because I do think the foundation that I had of literally six years of doing my power program and building and maintaining muscle. I mean, the the fact is scientifically, it is a lot harder to lose muscle than, or sorry, it's a lot harder to build muscle than to lose it. So gaining that muscle and switching my body composition initially to be stronger was a lot harder and slower than like losing my muscle mass now that I have it. So I, I'm actually pretty amazed at how I've been able to maintain my physique with quite minimal exercise. And, um, I know that nutrition does play a part of that. (sighs) My nutrition has been all over the place, to be honest. I have tried to center my protein, tried to make sure that I'm eating adequate protein and drinking adequate water. And through all of this, especially with my past with disordered eating, it was just not healthy to go more full on than that for me right now. So I'm proud and I'm grateful for my body, but I just want to say that, yeah, like my body composition has shifted and maybe it's in a sense that really only I would notice, but I'm definitely not even as close to as, you know, lean or shredded as I was in like 2018, 2019, 2020. But honestly, I feel better than I ever did then because damn, I see myself and my life and my body so much more clearly. And that truly, how much body fat you have truly doesn't matter if you are healthy and if you are taking care of yourself and your health. Um, If you don't believe me, please go back and listen to the other episodes that I've recorded here on this pod how to manage emotions, helpless and worthless feeling, um, helpless and worthless feeling was worse than injury for me. Same. I mean, the physical pain and the injury is just, just the beginning. It really is so difficult to, to manage the feelings and emotions. But again, it really went back to over and over again, as much and as often as I needed to allowing letting things come up, the thoughts or feelings, not shaming myself for those, validating them, letting myself feel through those, and then remembering that I do get to choose the action that I go forward with and the perspective that I take on things. But allow. Um, How do you adjust macros diet when injury prevents limits cardio and lifting ability? I know we've talked about this, but again, I will always, always put my mental health above the granular level of my nutrition. And so for me, 
I thought that after my surgery, I would hit my macros perfectly because that was like one thing I could do, right? If I couldn't exercise how I was used to, but honestly, it, it wasn't right for me. And so I focused on eating a diet full of micronutrients, fiber, lots of whole foods, fruits and veggies. I didn't count things. I didn't limit things. I also ate a lot more treats and refined sugar than I have in a long time because memories and sweet things that people brought me and baking with Anderson. And sometimes just, I wanted it. And that's been actually, you know, lots can argue that, you know, that's super bad for you. Refined sugar, blah, blah, blah. It's not healthy. And no, it's not. But the significance of me being able to eat those things without guilt or triggering into old habits, that is a huge sign of a healthy mindset towards food. And that's what I need to maintain first and foremost. So if you're in that, I would just, I would just remind you to go easy on yourself and continue eating your protein for sure. If you can, but not allow the panic that comes with having to like count your macros perfectly, just give yourself grace four months post ankle injury. And I am still struggling with the pain. Um, I get it. I am now, uh, I am like over seven months post-surgery now, and I still struggle with pain some days, but like I mentioned, those days are becoming the exception and not the rule. So I would just say to be patient with yourself and your body and, and trust, trust in the programming that your physical therapy, your physical therapist gives to you and trust in your body's ability to heal. How do you figure out what exercises you can do? This is huge. Please don't just look up an influencer or someone online or like, I please, if you have had surgery or an injury, go to a professional. Your injury is going to be different. Even if someone says they did the exact same thing, it is so important if you want to heal properly that you follow the advice of a physical therapist. The reason I haven't shared a ton of my physical therapy is because I did not want people just thinking they could do exactly what I did. I don't want that on my shoulders, right? Like I will always tell you to trust in the professionals in those fields. That is how you're going to heal um, the most productively and the fastest. How do you get over the frustration of being less physically active? It's a day-by-day thing. I sometimes still feel exceptionally frustrated, but again, I allow that. And then I remember the perspective of how far I've come. Um, most of these, I feel like I have, I have touched on. Um, I hope that this helps hearing all of this. Um, someone asked, you know, what are my mantra mantras for mentally dark days of rehab and how much of a roller coaster it is. And it is a roller coaster, right? Even like I would have one progress in physical therapy and then I'd go back two days later and it was like, wait, what? I can't do that anymore. So the roller coaster analogy is very real, but I, I think my mantra is, is really, just iterating all the things that I really, um, have been talking about and advocating for my whole career, this opportunity or this situation or circumstance of being injured and having surgery and going through this recovery has really given me the gift of a new perspective and allowed me to put all of those things into action and truly practice what I preach. And so my mantra is to make sure that your efforts in exercise and nutrition are not detrimental to your mental health to, I guess that's not necessarily a mantra, but it's, it's huge to give yourself grace, to not shame yourself for anything. And to remember the power of your perspective and all the affirmations surrounding my physical body, such as that it is a miracle, but that I am more than my body those things are more powerful than ever. Um, yeah, I, if you're still listening to this as always, thank you. I appreciate you more than you could ever know. 
And I am sending you so much love to anyone who is injured right now or facing surgery or just coming out of it. I am sending you so much love. And I know that it feels scary and overwhelming right now, but one day it will be a memory. Take it one simple step at a time. Love you.